Hi, and welcome to our new weekly podcast about things that interest programmers. Um, we're calling it Code Monkey Talks. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brian Jackson, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Demers. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, I'd also like to introduce this week's guest. Uh, we are joined by Adam Duvander. Welcome. Hey, guys. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Well, I'm excited to uh, talk to you later in the episode. Um, we break this up into a few segments, and um, what we do is we first talk about stuff that's going on in the news recently. Um, then we'll move into an interview with you. And then finally, uh, what we'll do is we'll leave our guests, uh, our listeners, uh, with something to do. Um, so with that, uh, let's begin the In the News segment. So this next segment is about current events, and we're calling it In the News. Uh, we each pick a news story we read about, or that we've read about recently, uh, that we'd like to discuss. Uh, Brian, why don't you go first? What's your programming news? All right, so slightly different than programming news, I guess, but the Nintendo yeah. Switch, the, the, the specs were just officially announced. The uh, pre-sale was amazing, I guess. I think everybody sold out. Um, yeah. I, I was tempted at one point to, to get one, but um, I didn't. So I'm a little disappointed, and I think that the Nintendo Switch will fail. Um, mm. And that, that saddens me, and, and I really want to be wrong here. Um, but so this is more of a prediction, uh, I think, based on this, the specs, which, which I think are fine for what the product is and the target they're at and the types of games Nintendo has. But I think it'll be like a marketing issue, you know? Um, the battery life seems weak. Um, it's just... I think a lot of the the casual gamers from the original Wii have moved on to Candy Crush and, and mm. whatnot. So that's my prediction. I'm sad. I'm wondering what you guys think, though. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was excited about this, uh, and I still am excited. Um, uh, you know, I probably didn't know, hear about the the battery life, but um, the other thing that um, I was, a, I would say, frustrated about was. I missed the pre-ordering. Uh, I don't know how. I was actually really excited about the January 9th uh, announcement that uh, they had scheduled. I was looking forward to that, like, through December. And um, and then somehow missed the pre-orders. And so I did not get a pre-order in. Um, but uh, my plan is probably to buy it early on. Um, so I'm I'm interested and excited to see how this goes uh, over, you know, the, the next few months as this launches. Um, because I, I guess I'm more... I'm more bullish on it. I think that uh, this is a good format for it. I, I'm excited about the kind of switching between a console and a handheld um, format. I think there's a lot of advantages to that. I'm a big fan of uh, the Wii U, uh, surprisingly. Uh, I know that's probably an unpopular opinion with people <laughs> who, have, who have the Wii U um, or, uh, you know, or, or don't have the, the Wii U uh, is probably what my guess is. Um, but I really liked the turn the TV off and be able to use um, the the handhold uh, the handheld console um, piece, but they I will admit I think what they screwed up on the Wii U is you couldn't go far away from the TV with it, um, and that's where I think the Switch is a really smart move uh, that it's basically all the brains are in the in the handheld piece. Um, so anyway, Adam, have you been following this? I I saw the saw the news about it, saw someone's. Uh, post about it uh, a couple days ago yeah and I'm not a super gamer but I think that makes me the exact casual gamer type that's uh, uh, that you were talking about uh, and yeah 
you know, for me, I saw one of the things that uh, the complaints was that there weren't very many games. But for me, as a like, I loved the original Wii, and and it uh, it really only took the the Wii Sports to <laughs> to hmm. to hook me on that. So really, yeah, like one good game at launch, I think can do it. Um, and I don't, I don't know enough about the, the ones that they do have to know whether that, whether that's it, uh, and whether it can overcome the other shortcomings. But, uh, you know, you play that for, for long enough for the, the next round of games to come out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they do have a, a Zelda, um, uh, game that's coming out with launch, but the Mario game is coming out in November. And I was a little disappointed about that. I'm, I'm think I'm looking forward to the the new Mario game because I, I'm just a fan of you know most of the Mario games, and so I uh, think it's so going to yeah. be a good one. I'm I'm a big Zelda fan, so I I really oh. want to see succeed for this reason. My wife likes Nintendo versus all these other you know these consoles and stuff, so I think it would be an yep. easy sell to get one in my house. <laughs> uh, and my son has a DS, so I think I think we could do it. But uh, I'm 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 holding out to see to see what the initial impressions are. Yeah, yeah, I'm op- I'm optimistic, but I am also looking to see practically like once you have it, how well does it mesh with having a, you know, if you already got a family that has DSs and, and 3DSs, you know, is there much cross-play with those platforms? Um, they've not had good support with that in the past, and so I'd be interested to see if they'll they'll treat it as peers or if it's completely separate um you know consoles and that uh you know different platforms so we'll see so i think that um leads us on to adam's uh story so adam uh what did you want to talk about yeah so uh earlier this month earlier in january i wrote a post about github streaks which i had you know i'd uh heard about and had seen on github profiles before but I had missed that they took it away as a as a feature as actually tracking it. But of course, it doesn't require a a uh, you know to be able to track your own streak, which is uh, coding, committing something to uh, a repository every day is a is a GitHub streak. So yep, uh, that of course doesn't doesn't require um, that feature to do it. So I wrote about it and. Uh, and yeah, and it, it's something. I mean, I have not done it, and in, you know, I'm one of those programmers whose day job is not programming necessarily. So, uh, so it's it actually kind of appeals to me the idea of uh, intentionally writing some code every day or writing something that ends up in a in a repo. Yeah, and curious if either of you have tried it or even thought about it. So I haven't consciously made that effort. Um, I, I've been definitely somebody who likes the gamification aspect of, um, of that grid of green squares that they have. Um, and uh, so to actually turn it into uh, this is a goal of like I want to commit something every day for 365 days or something like that um, sounds really interesting, um, you know, but also almost overwhelming outside of the kind of the cheat yeah. of let me just, Oh, I'll just write one line of code that actually is just right. a comment and I commit it. Um, I'm not sure how good their like heuristics are about, uh, you know, if I were to just comment, you know, uh, on a line, does that count towards the streak or not? But, right. uh, but day, yeah, day one, you write a bot 
day, day two, day two, <laughs> yeah. you crawl on the bot. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I'm sure there are folks that would game it, and uh, uh, I would be probably susceptible to that as well. And th- and that's actually one of the one of the reasons that people who were against that feature said like, oh, just get rid of it because it doesn't actually mean anything. Like mm. there are all these ways, uh, and so yeah, and. and in my post, I sort of say, you get to decide what the rules are, what counts, what doesn't, you know, and yep. uh, hold yourself to those. And uh, and so really talk about the reasons to do it for yourself as opposed to uh, doing it for uh, for the glory of seeing it on, on your page, which, of course, you... You can't see the longest streak anymore, but you can still see the green squares, and they tell they tell a story for sure. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, because it does kind of feel like when you look at the negative aspect of it, it feels like, um, you know, counting the lines of code that you've committed is, you know, the way that you should judge a team, right? It's like the worst tech management um, trope that people can fall into as they start to try to, you know, uh, measure their, their team members. So... That that's kind of the the negative side of it, which I'm sure that's why people would you know don't like it. Um, but uh, I like it as that motivational factor, personally. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So. Encouraging overwork was another negative. That was probably the main negative that people saw. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. The the yeah. line numbers, like Brian said. I mean, I I was working at a shop once uh, not too long ago where where uh, we were tracking uh, all these statistics, bugs, and correlating them to. Uh, uh, the data correlation to Git commits and all this other stuff, which is really cool statistically speaking, right? But like there was this big push on, on the you know who's committing the, the most lines, and like we we counted lines as like lines added minus lines removed, which is I mean that's just ab- arbitrary, right? Um, it was it was awful. Like it, it really didn't do anything for anybody. Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, it it just is not a good metric it's just not a good metric uh, you know no. it's lines of code um I, I think there are better ways to to do that um uh, one of the things that uh, it might not measure a person's productivity but something that i really liked was a, a metric called the um the crap for j metric which was something that i saw brian do you remember this, this, this i do that we yes. looked at right um yep. uh, and it was the the complexity of a method minus what is it? I think there was comments in there and then test right. coverage or something yeah. all mixed together. Yeah, it was a funny name for, for actually a really interesting idea of how to measure um, your contribution to code coverage. It was actually more around around testing. Um, but the idea is that, um, you know, are is the contribution you're making something that is complex enough for it needs to have testing, right? That was that was where we were looking to try to use it, so that um, making sure that you know your code coverage when you're unit testing isn't something that's you know just getter and setter methods like that. Who cares about that? It's making sure that you're you're testing the more complex um, code. And I could see you take that metric and actually apply it to people's con- contributions. That could be interesting. I'm sure it's as like any metric, it can be abused, but I think that's an interesting way of of measuring. Our next story is uh, that Google buys uh, Fabric. Um, a really interesting move. Uh, seems like Twitter is, I hate to say it, cleaning house with a lot of their development resources that they have. But uh, Fabric, for, for those that don't know, is a um, mobile development platform uh, that, uh, like I said, Twitter had uh, owned for um, a couple of years now, I believe. And uh, Google is, is taking it and merging it with um, Firebase, I believe, is the, the name of the 
uh, team that, that they've al already um, acquired. And so those two are going to be together uh, under Google or Alphabet or you know, whatever the name of the parent company is at this point. Um, uh, but, you know, the thing that really interested me was uh, this story led me to look at a service that they offer, that Fabric offers, called Fastlane. Um, have either of you guys taken a look at this? No, I haven't. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. Mean. Yeah, it, it's a like a platform as a service for, um, you know, for developing, deploying um, mobile applications. Um, so kind of like think Heroku, but for mobile applications is kind of the best way that I can tie it to something that I've already been familiar with. And, so does um, it build and deliver to, you know, the individual stores? Uh, yeah, and um, to things like Hockey App and uh, Test Flight, right? Okay. Yeah. And yeah, and so it's it's really interesting. It's really well done, great interface from kind of the the five to ten minutes of me perusing it. So don't take it as a testimony of somebody who's actually used their service, but um, it, it was just something that I thought I wanted to kind of point out uh, for our listeners that might be in the mobile space. It seems like a really great service, um, and it seems like it's really well done. They have this concept of this fast file, which is very much like um, uh, kind of any of the the build config files that uh, you might be familiar with, whether it's Jenkins file or Travis CI YAML um, uh, or like the proc file that you might have in a, a Heroku um, uh, setup. And it's, uh, I think it's a Groovy-based uh, file. It's got a really interesting kind of DSL to it. Uh, it was very easy to read, the examples that they had. And they had like an auto generator, like generate your fast file um, kind of type of a WYSIWYG point and click interface so that you didn't necessarily have to like dig into the docs to like get started quickly. But you had this this config file that, that configured your whole pipeline um, as a part of, uh, you know, the beginning steps. So it definitely built on the right foundation of things that I like. Cool. So uh, next part, uh, I would like to talk to Adam. So Adam, you are currently at Zapier. And, That's right. Uh, Good for, pronunciation. Did did it? Uh, did I nail it? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> awesome. I, I was waiting for someone to say it first because I'm sure I've been. <laughs> Do you get like I, French I like day. Zapier? Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. We, we use it at work, and that's why I see it pop up in our our, uh, our our Slack rooms, you know. And I'm like, uh, I think that's pronounced that way, but is yeah. it Zap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so Zapier uh, has Zaps, um, and uh, I, so for uh, listeners who haven't tried the service yet. Um, I'll quickly kind of explain it and then throw it to you. I'm sure you can do a better explanation than I since it's uh, your full-time job. But um, it, it allows you to kind of do tasks and connecting different APIs and different services together um, so that, you know, if you want to throw, like Brian said, throw a message into Slack when some event happens on some other service, you can easily tie these things together without kind of rolling your own bot. So, Adam, did I summarize that correctly? Tell me more about yeah, it. That's that's great. Well, yeah, so uh, there are over 750 uh, apps that are that are integrated, which you can think of as APIs probably on the on the back end. Uh, so 750 different, usually SaaS services uh, that uh, that we allow end users to be able to connect without writing any code themselves. So uh, they sort of build their own automations in there and uh, are able to take that sort of manual effort of connecting things together and, and have it happen automatically. 
Awesome. Yeah. And so like an example of something that I'm doing right now, um, just with like the podcast, uh, you know, we have a Slack um, uh, team and anytime somebody tweets uh, or follows our account on Twitter, um, I have it broadcast that in one of the Slack channels uh, that we set up. Uh, And it was super easy to set that up with Zapier. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I've used it for other things like that. Um, So it fits, in my opinion, kind of squarely in the DevOps tying the pipeline together um, space. So I am like to ask all my guests. uh, It's a very broad set of definitions that different people have. So what is your definition of DevOps? Yeah. uh, Well, I mean, as I understand, it actually means the merging of uh, uh, development and operations. So, uh, and to me, it's, it's giving the power to the dev to, uh, to, to fulfill the entire pipeline from coding to deployment and, uh, and really to, uh, to, to make it um, really to, to automate it and make it reproducible, uh, which kind of is in line with the, the Zapier ethos. Nice, nice, yeah. That um, that's that's a really good definition. I like that. Uh, it definitely jives with a lot of kind of where I feel it sits uh, in this space. So, tell me a little bit more about like your day to day and what you are doing uh, at uh, you know at Zapier. Yeah. So, uh, so most of our customers are non technical, you know, less technical people. They wouldn't consider programming to be their primary job. We definitely have folks like yourselves who are, uh, who are customers who are technical people. And I mean, I, you know, I was a, a customer for a long time before, before joining and, and did lots of uh, fun stuff. Sure. Uh, uh, but so there's another side to, uh, to the company, which is getting those apps in, those 750 that I mentioned. Most of those are actually added and maintained by the companies themselves so not by zapier oh nice and uh, I didn't so we that. have a an entire developer platform that uh kind of sits in the middle between the zapier interface and an api interface and someone can come and connect those together and so uh so my role is to to help make more people aware of that and uh find ways to share stories of building great APIs so that uh, you know, a great API then becomes a great integration, becomes a great experience for the user. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, yeah, to, to get that word out, to document it, to, to help people use the developer platform. Awesome. And so well, a lot of what I do, I mean, I've, I've been writing about technology topics for a long time. Uh, was uh, I called myself a pseudo journalist at Programmable Web. It didn't feel hmm. like didn't feel like real journalism, but it also uh, you know we had a, the API directory. They still have the API directory there, and so I've been kind of in the API world for a while. So uh, so it was a natural uh, progression to to come to Zapier and to write about APIs here and uh, and really tell stories of developers doing great things. That's really cool. Oh, no, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I was going to say, I I had no idea there was a developer platform. I mean, it makes perfect sense when you you say it, but uh, that's really neat. I'll have to check it out. 
Yeah, I hope I hope when we you and I talk in six months uh, that then it's very obvious that we have we have one. I I'm only been there three months, so I can't uh, uh, I can't say that I that that it's uh, been been something you know that we've been able to do yet. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, it's yeah it's a uh, it's a pretty cool uh, pretty cool thing. And and actually, so one of the cool things so this that 750 number is public apps that have been added to Zapier but there are actually quite a few internal apps where companies are already using Zapier and they have their own internal services and the developer platform works for that as well you can have a private app you can have one that oh, is invite only and that's a natural progression that the public ones take is that first they're private and then they start to invite people. But, uh, but yeah, you can actually stop there and use it yourself. And you probably will not be surprised to learn that Zapier has, uh, has an internal app ourselves for a lot of the stuff we do, uh, to be able to have triggers and actions just like you would for a public app. Uh, yeah, but to have it for your internal processes. Wow. That's, that's really cool. That's that's great to hear. It feels like you're kind of you're, you're definitely dog fooding your own stuff in that way. Tell me more about um, kind of the process behind the scenes, if you can. You know, as uh, I you know, I don't know if it's something that you're hands on with, um, but kind of tell me about what's it like to build Zapier using Zapier. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not on the on the team that's building out either the platform or the or the product itself, but, um, you know, it's, it's, we really do truly run these 750 (laughs) APIs in production, right? That, uh, that we have, we have users who, who have live zaps on all of them. And, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, a, a bunch of them are, are, uh, polling essentially as often as every five minutes for each user so that's a that's a lot of a lot of servers we have set up just running the polling of course we we recommend that someone implement webhooks and specifically subscription webhooks because then that saves everyone's servers and the user gets something gets an answer instantly yeah so uh uh but then you know there's a there's a a lot going that uh when when a webhook comes in to to push it into a queue that we then uh, we have to then process and process all the steps and uh, as of almost a year ago now there are multi-step zaps so it's not just uh, a trigger and then a single action but there can be multiple actions and filter steps and all sorts of things wow. uh, in between so yeah see, there's yeah. a lot that uh, that goes on there's a there's a blog post um, about how we scale Zapier that uh, that I'd be happy to share with you and yeah we'll uh, definitely put that in the yeah. show notes because I think uh, our listeners would be interested in reading that um, and tell me more about these multi the multi like it feels like a pipeline was what you described and having filters uh, I haven't um, experienced this myself I haven't used them I've I've just been doing kind of the this action happens and then it goes and puts something in a Slack channel type of a right, uh, yeah. way of using it but uh, yeah, that sounds so, really great so. You know, sometimes a uh, an API doesn't give you the exact data that that you would want to. Maybe it gives you 
too much data. You can't be specific to just give me an alert uh, and you know an event when this particular thing happens. So, uh, so your zap might be receiving all of those. Well, you can do a filter step to be able to say only if the particular data here equals this, right? Like only if this is a uh, a click event in an email, right? Then let's continue on to the rest of the rest of the zap. Uh, also, if you wanted to do multiple things, um, I used this a lot at my last job where I was again writing content and running a content team, and uh, we would have uh, new pull requests, which is how we added uh, blog posts. And so when that happened, we needed to do a review. Well, that would add a Trello card, but then hmm. you also want to know uh, want to know about it right away. So it would also link to that Trello card in Slack, and you could even comment on the Trello card, say, and mention someone. Right? You could do all of those things in one in one zap. So wow, uh, yeah, it opens up a lot of the possibilities. Whereas before, that would have had to been a zap for each thing triggering on the same thing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you kind of, you could do some of the things, not all the things before, but, uh, but yeah, you, it opened up many more possibilities. And I mean, I, I can barely even remember the, the time when it was just one thing to one thing and it yeah. was, you know, only less than a year ago. Wow. And so, you know, the thing that I go back and forth with is having something like, um, you know, GitHub published Hubot uh, and, and a couple other of these kind of roll your own bots. Kind of where where do you position yourself as like, is that something that is a competitor or is that something that um, is complementary to what Zapier is? Yeah, it's uh, I'm still trying to figure out exactly where it fits in there. I don't I don't yeah. think it's a competitor i'm i'm all for people automating as as much as possible i would also you know say to to api provider or to saas companies that i mean it makes sense to have some uh direct integrations right mm. uh which some might see zapier as a competitor for but really our our big promise to to those integrating with us is that as soon as you do, you have your users have access to 750 other things, and that no one else is going to go out and create direct integrations with all of that. Uh, yeah, bots are interesting. I think they they could have a a definite place in uh, in Zapier. One of the one of the key things that makes it difficult is that uh, you can't con- control what gets sent back to a bot. Mm. Uh, meaning the actual text that goes back. Uh, and so, and a lot of the bots that I've seen expect that they don't, they'll send you a webhook, but then they want you to instantly tell them the response as opposed yep. to giving you a URL where you can fire back your response to them. So, and I, I think that, it, that that will come with, uh, you know, I think there's more than just Zapier that would benefit from that architecture of being able to uh, to have an asynchronous reply. Um, yeah. And so, uh, you know, as bots become more common, we'll be asking them to do larger tasks that where it doesn't make sense to be able to instantly give your feedback there. So, uh, so I think I think we'll we'll be able to be in a 
in a better spot. And there are some bot platforms, I'm pretty sure, that uh, that are on Zapier. I still don't have all 750 memorized, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I'll give you like so an yeah, hour. I think, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's complimentary mostly, but yeah, some, some technical issues to get over to, to be able to have all of them, uh, connected to Zapier. Nice. Nice. Um, and so are people using it to create interactive, um, experiences with Zapier like that of like chatting in a, um, some type of a chat channel, uh, whether it's Slack or IRC or, um, hip chat. Um, or is it really just the, the event is some other type of event? I haven't actually tried to do this myself of, of using, um, using Zapier to watch, uh, text in a chat channel. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, that you can, uh, Slack has the options, uh, at least that's what, so Slack is what we use. So, uh, and it's what I've used probably the last couple of places. So, uh, so that's sort of my, uh, uh, my frame of reference. So yep. yeah, Slack has ways of, uh, of triggering on particular words or uh, in all channels or a particular channel for everything. And so you can build things off of that for sure. Uh, and I know that we have, we have customers who are doing that. Very cool. Um, but the, uh, I mean, the most, the most common is really setting up workflows that, uh, that help you get your get your work done. So yeah. Uh, so it's a lot more uh, sort of uh, moving data around. You know, you you want your CRM and your email marketing system to have the same data in it, so that uh, so that when when something you know when your CRM when you add a tag to that user that then you can send an email or something. Um, and, uh, and those are the more common sort of things where it's, uh, where it would be a burdensome manual task that, that now you can just sort of set and, and have work every time it happens. Yeah. I've seen corporations spend, you know, man years trying to implement something as, as simple as, uh, you know, uh, tagging a, a user and making sure they are, they're added to the right mailing list uh, in their Active Directory. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's that's very cool. Uh, I'm sure for uh, smaller companies, startups, that that this is just a godsend. I would think um, so that they don't have to worry about building a lot of the infrastructure that traditionally you'd have in a corporation, a large team managing. Right. And and you know one of the things from for me as a coder, like. I don't want to stand up a server that listens for, for changes on, on some, you know, some small piece. And so I've actually used Zapier a lot just to, just because Zapier already has the, the, the infrastructure going to be able to say, if there's a webhook, it's going to come right here. And I don't have to have something on Heroku running all the time waiting for Mm -hmm. that. Right. Uh, and uh, yeah, to do that sort of, uh, or the polling piece, right? To do that, <laughs> do that. Yep. So I don't have to have something do that. And then, I mean, there really are really cool tools uh, within Zapier that you can then kind of code without coding. Uh, although sometimes it's actual code. So we have a an app called the Code Code by Zapier app, and you can actually write 
Python and JavaScript in there, uh, Python or JavaScript. And wow. so you can, you can actually do anything, right, <laughs> with, uh, with the code in there. Uh, including make additional API uh, additional requests out to another service or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, I've I've as I as I hit sort of the limit of what what it can do. I then step into the the uh, the code app and of course as a coder I'm able to to do that. Um, and so it's nice to be able to to tell customers yes you can you can do that might require a little bit more technical skills to do it but you know yeah it is possible so so how how does this compare to uh if this then that as far as i mean because it sounds like you're more data driven and if then then that i mean they're kind of all over the place with you know devices and um i don't know so, so yeah talk yeah, about so that? The, yeah the that really has been their focus of at least the last several years is the connected home stuff and and i mean that's that's fun stuff too it's uh so so they are focusing on that and i mean i've i've used ift uh uh for you know my hue lights at home and and stuff uh yeah and so we're more focused on those sort of business use cases and uh and then again being able to have the uh the multiple steps and the uh the something that's a little more workflow like than uh, simply connecting two things together. But yeah, started around the same time uh, in 2011. And uh, yeah, and are often used in the same sentence together. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. I've, I've used both and, and I definitely agree with kind of the way that you've broken it down that uh, if definitely is more consumer focused. Um, like, like you said, I used it to control uh, my Christmas lights this year, the the outdoor Christmas lights, I wanted them to come on and off at sun, you know, sunset and sunrise, and using them for something like that because I had a a, um, a Wemo switch uh, was a nice fit, but uh, it's for Zapier. I've been using it for kind of my business, um, you know, it's my kind of personal projects, but um, but much more kind of business focused. Um, it totally makes sense that you're focused more on kind of the enterprise. Um, uh, and startups. Yeah, and there's plenty to do, <laughs> plenty to do there, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, tell me about kind of like some of your favorite use cases that you've heard of uh, so far. Well, I can tell you my number one favorite that I have now used. It's been several years and multiple jobs where I have used this and I continue to use it at Zapier. And that is when I add something to my personal calendar, I then have a zap that will duplicate that onto my work calendar oh. as, and it just puts the title as busy. Uh, and that way I've been able to avoid coworkers putting, you know, meetings over my doctor's appointment or something. Right. Uh, That's brilliant. And, uh, and I've used that, you know, I used that when I had an outlook calendar at work. I used that when I had a Google calendar at work, mm. uh, and uh, yeah, and it it has been so nice to be able to uh, you know it takes a little bit of uh, I could probably write a zap that when I delete the thing off of my personal calendar it also goes and uh, and changes that event uh, that's that's on the work calendar I haven't gone that far but uh, so yep. it takes a little bit of uh, 
uh, management myself too, but it's just so, so nice and saved me so much time and, and the hassle of, uh, of, you know, letting someone know <laughs> either my doctor or my coworker, depending on, exactly. on who I decide I'm going to cancel with. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a awesome. Great idea. Yeah, because my I'm gonna go set that up right now. I hadn't thought of that, and that's brilliant. Because I what I end up doing is I like invite my personal account to my work account, you yeah. know, thing, uh, or vice versa. And um, uh, my my wife also kind of co-manages our calendar. Like I have a calendar, she has a calendar. Yeah. We're in G, uh, Google Apps or G Suite as they're calling it now. And um, uh, I, I man, I need this badly. So that's a great idea. I love that Zap. Any other cool I, uh, ideas or things that you've used Zap? Uh, Zapier with, so I, I mentioned the uh, the GitHub PR thing before, and uh, and it was actually a little little more complex than I had uh, than I described because uh, at my previous work we had um, we had a, a GitHub repo where anyone it was totally public and anyone could add knowledge base articles. Typically, it was within the company or our partners who added them, but still anyone could. And so as the, the head of the content team, I had to decide, well, we, we should really at least look at every, everything that comes through here. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the problem is that not every pull request has a new, uh, a new knowledge base article in it. And so I was able to write one that once a pull request came in, it had it was a code step that looked in and went through the files and saw, are there new files here? And if there are, then it's let's take note of what those file names are and let's create items on the Trello board. Let's alert the uh, the content team, which were there were four tech writers, uh, and let's make sure that someone claims that and can review it in a reasonable enough time that uh, you know we make sure that it maintains the consistency and and has uh, has everything we would expect uh, within it so yeah that one uh, uh, that one was a, a big one for for us actually being that was the only way we would be able to really do that in a uh, in a uh, staff time effective way right like right uh, we we didn't want to have to be looking through the details of every PR um, which would then, you know, we'd have to, I would have to make sure that we all knew how to see the differences and, and look at the changes and stuff. And this was uh, a way of just distilling it down to just the information that you need, which I think is the, is the key in automating anything. And that's on Zapier or not on Zapier is it's about putting in front of you the information that you need so you can make the decision of what to do. So, you know, not bogging you down with the the manual effort instead really uh making sure that you can focus on what you're great at yeah yeah bringing the signal out of the noise so to speak um so i would i really would like to thank you adam for joining us today i really oh, appreciate it yeah um so where can our listeners find more about this and uh what you're working on well you can go to uh uh go to twitter adam d and uh, then if you want to find out about uh, the, uh, the Zapier developer platform and all the stuff we have there, you can go to zapier.com slash engineering. And that's where our blog is, and we write all about this stuff there. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, Adam. Um, 
So I can be found on Twitter at Brian Demers, all one word. Um, I've been blogging over at stormpath.com and I'll be presenting um, an Apache Shiro talk at the Boston meetup on February 7th. So if anyone wants to check that out, I'll be there. Cool. Thanks, Brian. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Jackson, J-A-X-Z-I-N. Um, but before we go, let's leave our listeners with something to do. So this is where each week we'll leave you, the listener, with something to watch, read, play, or try out in some other way. Uh, Brian, what did you want to leave our listeners with? All right. So uh, for the past few years, I've been using this little screen capture tool called Jing. Um, I've been a big fan, um, but I upgraded my monitor to a 4K monitor, I don't know, a year ago or so, and uh, it stopped working. There was all kinds of weird offset issues. and I was actually talking with somebody on some other support channel, and I noticed they were using Jing. So I asked them if, if, if they had any problems. So I tried it again, and it works great. So I've got one of my favorite tools back. Um, so we'll put the link in the show notes, but it's Jing by TechSmith. It's, uh, it's, a, it's like Snagit, um, you know, any of those type of capture, then annotate your image, and then email it or cut and paste or whatever. It's, it's a great little tool. Awesome. Yeah, I've used it, uh, and I can testify it's uh, it's pretty cool, too. So um, I will definitely check that out. I haven't used it out in a while. Uh, Adam, what did you want to share with our listeners? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's uh, nothing on the, on the computer, although it can be. Uh, so it's a game called Codenames, and mm. uh, it's a game of, of making connections between words. And so you give... Uh, you give hints that have to do with the words that are in front of you, and only two people, one on each team, know which which of the names are for their team, which are names for the other team, and then there's some neutral ones, and then there's one that will instantly end the game if anyone picks it. So you don't want you don't want to pick that. Yep. Uh, uh, and you actually can play it online. Also, the the card game is really fun, and it's fun to sort of have it out and see it in front of you, but you don't have that yet if you're waiting on the on your amazon prime order (laughs) uh there's a a site at horsepaste.com that i i don't know how i think it was the last domain name available and that was what they got so horsepaste.com and you can play a codenames game there and uh you kind of can use multiple screens and uh and be able to uh to have the board in front of you Uh, and this is a big zapier uh uh, game. I played it on at onboarding. That's where I learned about it. Apparently, we play it every time we get together. It's a fully remote company, so twice a year we uh, we have retreats. Um, and apparently, code ga- code names goes into the night. Uh, and uh, so naturally, they also created a uh, uh, a Slack bot that play that works with code names and is of course a zap. Cool. So, uh, but that's it's internal only right now. I. I should I should try to get them to make it external, but no, for now, horsepace.com, and then then you'll get hooked and you'll want to get the card game. Very so, cool. I, I I've I've played the game too a couple times. It's great. Um, so the the I think the the most bizarre thing about it is you know you're staring at the cards in front of you. You're absolutely sure that somebody is talking about one of these cards. <laughs> you say the word. And they make a fool of you, and it's not it at all. And uh, it's a good, good group game. That's Highly awesome. recommended. 
Yeah, and I had forgotten that uh, New Year's uh, this year, um, my kids were playing it, and uh, it looked super fun, so uh, I need to play it as well. Um, so thanks, Adam. That's a great idea. So for me, I uh, I had kind of a, a two things uh, this week, because one is very specific to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. It's something called Smitten Ice Cream. Uh, there's a couple of different places like this, but what they do is they use liquid nitrogen to, like, flash freeze ice cream. Um, so it's kind of the the cold stone uh, concept brought into the next decade. And uh, it's really cool. It's super fun, great for the kids. So anybody who's kind of in the Bay Area, and I think they now have uh, one location down in the Los Angeles area. They're working on a second one um, later this year. Uh, definitely go try it out or find one of the other liquid nitrogen ice cream places. Um, but Smitten Ice Cream, I'll have a, a link in the show notes. Did, All right, I, I booked my plane ticket. Yeah, did they freeze <laughs> this in front of you? Like, how does this yeah. work? Yeah, they got a big, like, you know, it's really cool because they have all the tubes and, and uh, the piping um, right there, uh, very visible, so that you see that it's, like, coming from this giant, like, liquid nitrogen doer. Um, and they flash, you know, they put the ingredients in. You kind of pick your base and, and pick your, like, the things you want to mix in. And, um, and then they basically, like, st- you know, stick it under a nozzle and shoot in some liquid nitrogen and mix it up real quick and you instantly have uh, uh you know new ice cream and it, it was delicious because they it freezes so quickly the ice crystals are really small and um and then they mix in like your your toppings of choice wow that sounds that sounds awesome but yeah uh, whenever I think of liquid nitrogen, I mean, other than the, the umpteen million uh, videos everyone has of, you know, slow motion freezing things, I think of the movie Critters. I think it was Critters. Um, it's an old sci-fi movie where they froze this little critter on a on a, <laughs> on a a spaceship or something, and obviously yep. it shattered. So I just keep think of somebody handing me ice cream, and either the ice cream or their hand is shattering, and it's kind of disturbing. Yeah, um, that that is disturbing. My my go to is, is Terminator Two. That's right, what I right, think of. right. Yep. But yeah, I could see if it's organic or whatever it is that you were talking <laughs> about. Yeah, that that's a little more disturbing. Well, um, I'll check it out. So, yeah. So since that's kind of specific to the Bay Area, I also wanted to mention um, uh, GitHub uh, has. Uh, if if our listeners have heard of Git, haven't really used it, I think what you should do is go to try.github.io it's uh, github's 15 minute kind of tutorial it's super interactive you do it all right there in a browser but it feels like you're on a command line um it's it's a great interactive uh, tool for kind of learning git as well as git in the context of github uh, and might help with kind of the understanding of the distinction between the two so and then you can start your streak yes and then you can start your streak (laughs) exactly perfect tie-in i love it um, great. So, well, that, well, that wrap up, wraps up our third episode. Be sure to check out our website at codemonkey.fm and email us at feedback at codemonkey.fm. We'd really love to hear from you, um, whether it's ideas uh, about what we should talk about, who we should talk to, um, or you just want to give feedback about what we talked about this week. Um, by all means, please email us. Um, or you can also join us uh, to chat in our subreddit or Slack. Uh, we have a team uh, links to both, which can be found on our website. So, uh, and if you if you like this episode, do us a favor and review us on your favorite podcast finder of choice, um, be it iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, uh, another, um, you know, whatever you're using, uh, it would be really great because that gets us heard by more people. So uh, I'd like to thank Adam again, 
and thank you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week.